Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together tonight. We're thankful that we can read through the Word of God and read great stories and accounts of, uh, that were uh, real uh, blessings, real times of devastation, uh, real opportunities to be able to bring glory to the name of their God. And we're thankful, Lord, that there's some very practical principles we can learn uh, in about David's response and his desire in his heart to show kindness. And so, Lord, help us to seek for opportunities where we can be a help and encouragement to others. And, uh, Lord, I pray this will be a great time in our life, a great summer uh, time, Lord, where we have great opportunities to be able to share our faith in Christ. And so bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. That I may show kindness. In a chapter we see David wanted to extend kindness towards the house of Saul. And that's, uh, that always intrigued me every time I've read through this chapter uh, because of all that Saul was. Saul was very aggressive against David. Saul was jealous of David. Uh, Saul was king over Israel when God had not chosen Saul to be king over Israel. He was the choice of the people. Yet David uh, did not harbor resentment and anger and bitterness towards Saul. And he desired to be able to do something to be a blessing to show kindness to those that of the household of Saul. Many times we do not really see the spirit of kindness as we seek to reach the loss. And uh, I think it would be wonderful if we would maintain in our lives uh, this spirit of just being nice. The world needs to see somebody that is willing to be nice. Amen. And because you don't run into too many people like that anymore, it seems like. But we want to show kindness to others. Many times what happens, uh, we're not really showing a spirit of kindness because many times we're just simply maybe letter A there is fulfilling our duty. And you lose that spirit of kindness if you're, what you're doing is just, oh, this is my duty. I'm a Christian, so this is how I'm supposed to live. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a member of a Baptist church, so this is what ministries I need to be involved in. Uh, you know, I have these talents and skills, so I'm just going to fulfill those talents and skills. And uh, really, in my heart, is for the glory of God, but we just don't have a nice spirit about it sometimes. And so we want more than just fulfilling our duty as a Christian. We want to be able to fulfill our duties and responsibilities as a Christian with a spirit of kindness, one towards another, and certainly towards the lost. It's many times uh, we just simply go about giving an offering and not really thinking about why we're giving the offering or what was the purpose of giving the offering. I was just recently uh, looking at some uh, film clips of some of these uh, charlatans on the television. Uh, the money that they generate to buy their millions of dollars of jets and all this, that, and the other to fly around. And it's, it's a shame of what is going on and what's being done in the name of Christianity. And uh, what they have done is they've just created a scenario where you're just giving an offering, but there's no spiritual impact that changes your life to where you're actually reaching out and being concerned for someone else. And so we don't want that type of spirit. We want a spirit that is giving out of our love for our God, a spirit that we're giving out of our concern for others, a spirit of giving, not being motivated by trying to get something from God 
or not being motivated out of guilt, but rather giving out of a heart that just wants to do something good for somebody else. Not expecting anything in return. And we lose that spirit of kindness if we're just giving and offering. Also, many times what happens, we are going about our duty and giving our offerings just simply because we're about removing our guilt. And we don't want to feel guilty. We don't feel bad about ourselves. So we'll do whatever's necessary to kind of make us feel good. And uh, if all you're doing in the me society that we live in is just live for yourself and do things that are going to make you feel good about yourself, uh, somewhere along the line, you're going to start feeling guilty about what you're doing because you're not impacting other people's lives. You're not seeking opportunities to impact someone else's life and be a help to them. So we have to be great, uh, careful about that. Jesus said in John 15, 13, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And uh, that's not just a mere duty. That's an expression of love. That's not just giving. That's a sacrifice. And there is no greater love than a person can have, a greater demonstration of kindness than literally we're willing to sacrifice everything that we are and literally laying our life down for someone else. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind one towards another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of things that happen in Christians' lives and in churches and and uh, have people over the years that get hurt or get offended in some type of a situation or whatever, uh, they'll fulfill their duties, but they're unwilling to forgive. Marriages fall apart because of an unforgiving heart. You know, churches fall apart and split because of an unforgiving heart. We're supposed to be tenderhearted, being kind one towards another, and uh, certainly, uh, love covers a multitude of sins. And so we need to be kind one to another. I like what Jerry Falwell said many years ago. He said this, if you're not a born-again Christian, you're a failure as a human being. <laughs> I said, okay. I, wonder, I, w I would like to have been around when you said that to see what the response of people was when he said that. <laughs> certainly in 2019, that statement would not go over very well. I guarantee you. I didn't say it. Jerry Falwell said it, all right? <laughs> but the reality is, think about what he's saying. The reality is God did create us in his image to be his children. And if you're not born again, you're not a child of God. And humanly speaking, we failed because the ultimate reality of who man is that he glorifies is God. I love what uh, Oswald uh, Smith said. So the church does not evangelize, the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. And you want to become a dead church? Don't evangelize. You want to be a dead church? Don't tell people about Christ. You want to be a dead church? Then don't get involved in soul winning. You want to be a dead church? Ignore missions. You want to be a dead church? Don't do anything to try to show kindness to someone else. Just worry about coming to church, put your time in and go home, and sooner or later we'll become a fossil. It won't take long. I love that statement. Henry um, uh, Martin, missionary to India and Persia, said this, the spirit of Christ is a spirit of missions, 
the nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. I remember reading a, uh, a preacher years ago, a great missionary years ago, for who he was, but he said this, if your, your church is floundering and your church uh, needs revival, the best thing you can do is put it on a missionary diet. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's pretty good. And uh, stop worrying about who we are and start worrying about who people are without Christ and get to focus on reaching out and being a help to someone else. John Wesley said this, you have one business on earth, that's to save souls. That's it. And Jesus came into this world for one reason, to seek and to save that which was lost. And it's very easy for us to lose a spirit of being kind to others because of the fact we lose a understanding of the reality of why we are in existence. Why is the church here? C.T. Studd said this, if Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. And uh, while well, you think of all that God sacrificed just so that you and I could be saved, uh, is, is our life surrendered to Christ really a sacrifice? It really isn't because the reality is Christ sacrificed everything so that we might be saved, so we might be able to enjoy the glories of heaven. And we don't lose, you never lose anything when you surrender your life to Christ. How do we extend ourselves to be a help and to show kindness of the kindness of God to the lost and the dying soul? And I think in this chapter, chapter 9 of 2 Samuel, David's desire to be a blessing to Mephibosheth uh, will help us to understand some very simple principles of how to be kind to one, someone else. You know, I just yesterday went up to see someone uh, who was dying, and uh, he only had, yesterday, he only had 12 to 24 hours to live. And uh, I went up there to see this man, and man was a very strong man, robust man. I've known him over the years. His daughter used to come to our church years ago. I mean, our school years ago. I don't know if they saw him to talk to him about Christ. I tried to talk to him about Christ over the years at different times. And uh, he couldn't, couldn't talk to me. He was unconscious. But I read scripture with him and prayed the prayer of salvation with him. And I just, I just, it just convicted me as I was with him. I thought, have I, have I over the years shown enough kindness to him? to cause him to desire to know the Christ that I, I'm saved by and know the Christ that delivered my soul. It convicted my heart. As I laid hands on him and I prayed for him yesterday, it broke my heart. And I thought, we have so many people, so many people that we come in contact with every day is uh, lost and on their way to hell and they need, need to know who Christ is. I was listening to the radio this afternoon, had a doctor's appointment, I was on my way back over to church here, and they said this, they did a study on people who drink coffee, and they found out this, that every person who drinks coffee dies. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> you spent how much money on this study? <laughs> The reality is if you drink coffee, you don't drink coffee. You're going to die. <laughs> I tell you, the world has gone mad. And you talking about 
the necessity for us to say, where's somebody I can reach out to and show kindness to? They're everywhere. Everywhere you turn. And so we need to reach out to others as David wanted to be a blessing uh, to the household of Saul. Notice, first of all, we want to deal with his condition. In verse 3, and Saul said, I'm sorry, and the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. His condition, he was paralyzed. Uh, he could not walk. Uh, realizing this, that people without Christ are paralyzed. They're blinded by the God of this world. They cannot save themselves. They cannot, they cannot, listen, apart from a revelation from the word of God, somebody giving them a track, someone helping them to understand the way of salvation, cannot get saved unless somebody reveals the way. So they're lost. His condition is that he's lost. And that's why Jesus came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And uh, you and I were lost. And hallelujah, somebody talked to us about Christ. Somebody prayed for us. Somebody tried to get us under the preaching of the word of God. Somebody witnessed to us. Somebody gave us a track. Every one of us are here tonight saved because somebody was willing to be kind enough to us to tell us about Christ. And I know the world says, well, man, that's, that's mean. That's hateful to tell people that they need to be born again in order to be saved. They have their religions or all that. No, the kindest thing that you can do to somebody that is lost is to tell them how to be saved. They are lost. Don't ever forget that they're lost. So they need, they need you to help them. They need me to help them because of their condition. Mephibosheth could not change his condition. He was lame, crippled in both of his legs and both of his feet. He could not change the circumstances in his life, but somebody could reach out to him to be a help. And people cannot change their relationship with God unless they know the way to God through Christ. And they can do that if they have somebody who will help them to find that way. And so he was lost. Notice he has no strength. His legs are lame, so he has no strength in his legs to get up and walk around. I remember Jack Hiles preaching a message on this passage years ago on the bus ministry. I mean, it was, I remember that message. And that, that was 30-some years ago I heard him preach that message. And he dealt with his whole thing about here's this boy who can't walk, he can't get around, but David was concerned enough that he went out to get him to bring him into his household, and that's what we're supposed to do. Send buses out to get people to bring them into church. Because they're lost, they have no ability to get here, and we have the opportunity to show kindness to them. What a message. He has no strength. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, for when we were yet without strength. See, people think they're pretty strong. They think they're pretty smart. But the reality is without Christ, they have nothing. Not only have they lost, but they have no strength. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Why? Because he wanted to show kindness to us. 
For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the, the, the Mephibosheth problem was that he was lost. He had no strength in his home and he had no hope. And certainly in the days of David, if someone was crippled and had no means of creating income, they would become beggars. That's the only way they could survive. They had no hope. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of pro covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And so people are without hope, they're without strength, they are lost, and they just need somebody to be nice to them. That's all they need. They don't need somebody to condemn them. They don't need somebody to judge them. They don't need somebody to mock them. They don't need somebody to put them down. They just need somebody to be nice enough to them to share with them the way to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. David Livingston said this, sympathy is no substitute for action. You can say, oh, my heart's broken, my heart's broken, my heart's broken. But if you don't do anything to try to show kindness to somebody, what good is that? You're not doing anybody any good. You know, I, I remember a preacher saying years ago, well, you know, I was in a preacher's meeting and I remember this preacher saying, well, you know, you know, you got to admit it that, you know, the reality is that we preachers, I mean, we're consumed with the work of the ministry and we're in our office all the time and we really don't get out on the streets and around sinners. We're always around Christians. And I felt like standing up and saying, then get out of your office. There's a whole lot of sinners out there that need somebody just to show some kindness to them. And so his condition, never forget the condition of those who need somebody to be nice to them. Number two, his location. I thought it was interesting because it says the king sent out, and I'm sorry, in verse four it says, and where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Miel in Lodibar. And uh, so here his location was at the house of, um, of uh, Makar. I misspelled it in your notes. I think, I, yeah, it should be M-A-C-H-I-R. And you say, what does that have to do with anything? It, the name Makar means sold. Now I put the cross reference with you in there for you because Paul says in Romans chapter seven and verse 14, we're sold under sin. And see, our souls are sold to the devil. We are caught up in sin. We are born without Christ. We are under the power of the God of this world. And here is this young boy where he was living identifies with the reality of, of being delivered to the one that, that has control over him. He was sold. He was the son of Emil. And the name Emil means my kinsman is God. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 it says, and as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially them who are of the household of faith. So it's not just showing kindness to someone who is without Christ, someone who is out of the family of God because they're sold under sin. But it's also being nice to the ones who are, my kinsmen is God. That's the brethren. 
And so Paul says, listen, you need every opportunity you get. Whatever the opportunity is, you seize that opportunity to do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. And so we need to reach out. And so his location speaks to us of being sold under sin. His location speaks to us that there is a relationship as the kinsmen of uh, God is our kinsmen. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And then it says here that he was in Lodibar. And Lodibar means uh, not a pasture. And I, I, right away when I read that, I thought of Psalm 23. And uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And uh, he goes on, he says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Well, wait a minute. Mephibosheth was from Lodibar, which is not a pasture. So here he is in need of someone to show kindness to him because he's not under the threshold of receiving blessings from God. Uh, he is limited in his ability to get around. Uh, he is limited in his opportunity to be able to experience a move of God. David is wanting to know, who can I be a blessing to? Who can I show kindness to? There wasn't anyone that was a better candidate than Mephibosheth. And may I say, there are people out there that are around us all the time that are in desperate need of somebody just to show them kindness because of where they're at, their location in life their environment that they're in, the community or the situation of, of, of the home in which they live, uh, their lack of spiritual instruction and opportunity. There are people that are not living in the pasture that God prepares for us in feeding and caring and nurturing us. And so somebody needs to go out as David sent out to bring him into his household so he could be cared for, protected, and fed. He just wanted to show kindness to somebody. So you consider the condition of people. You consider the location of people. Then in verse 5, we see the invitation. Verse 5 says, Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machar, uh, the son of Miel, from Lodibar. And so, first of all, we see that the concern of the king, when he heard of the condition of uh, Mephibosheth, and then when he was aware of the location of Mephibosheth, uh, right away, David goes out to bring him in because of his concern. And, and in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 51, says, Mine eyes affecteth my heart, because of all the daughters of my city, mine eyes affected my heart. You know, the greatest way to build a concern for others, the greatest way to be, build a concern for those that are in need and have a desire to show kindness is to go see people where they are. And uh, here recently, I've been in and out of the hospitals a lot in the last year or so. Been out of, in and out of nursing homes in the last year or so. I've been by the deathbed of people off and on for the last year or so. And I'm going to tell you one thing right now. You walk away with a different perspective every time you see somebody in those conditions. 
It is absolutely impossible to develop a cold, disconnected heart if you're looking at someone who is in need. And so the concern of the king was stirred because of the fact that he saw the condition and the location of Mephibosheth. And so I see the concern of the king. I want to have concern. Lord, I want my eyes to affect my heart. I, I want to see what's going on in people's lives. I want, to, I want to discern. I want to understand what it is that they're struggling with so I can just have an opportunity to show kindness to them. The plan of the king. We see the plan of the king in verse 5. Then David, uh, King David sent and fetched him. And so he sent uh, him out. He desired for him to be brought in. His plan was to go out and get him. John 3, 16, we know that God loved, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God had a plan for showing his kindness towards us. His mercy is his kindness. And God's plan to do that was sending his son into this world to die for mankind. And David had a plan on getting uh, Mephibosheth in a place where he could show kindness to the house of Saul through him by sending out his servant, Ziba, to bring him into David's house. C.S. Lewis said this, There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. I want you to know that every, every part, every aspect of everything that this world is, God is longing to show kindness to mankind. And while he's doing that, there's Satan countering that with resentment and hatred and evil. And the only way that you can counter the attack of Satan is to have the spirit of David to say, I'm going to develop a plan to be able to show kindness. And so go get him and bring him to my house. And the only way that we can be able to show kindness to those that are lost, that are located in this world, is we have to go out and reach them and bring them to Christ. And so there's a concern, there's a plan. Notice the command, the command of the king. In verse five, he just said, King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machar. I like how he said it, fetched him out of there, amen. And he went and snatched him, he went and got him, he went and brought him out. He didn't hesitate for the opportunity when he heard of the need in Mephibosheth's life. I mean, he went after him to bring him in. And uh, God wants us, and we know the Great Commission, God wants us to go out and preach the gospel. He wants us to go out and share our faith in Christ. He wants us to tell people that they need to be saved. It, will everybody you talk to get saved? Absolutely not. But I'll guarantee you one thing right now, there are multitudes that are hurting and looking for answers who will get saved and will just have a plan with a concern to follow the commands that God has commanded us. David Livingston said this, Christ alone can save the world. 
the reality is he doesn't need us. But God's concern, plan, and command is Christ cannot save the world alone. In other words, God's plan was Christ came into this world and he was the light of the world. And when Jesus departed from this world, he commanded his disciples and he says to us that we're the light of the world. Can he just save the world like that? Absolutely he could. But he has chosen to use us, his children, to tell the world that is lost and show the kindness of God towards them that they might be saved. So I see in this passage the condition, his location. I see the invitation. Hudson Taylor said, missionary to China, on his uh, progressive, on the progression of his missionary call, I like this little outline he outlined about his life, summarizing his life. He said that as a child at the age of five, he said, when I am a man, I mean to be a missionary and go to China. See, a lot of people think, well, it's not important for me to have my children in Sunday school or have my children at a missions conference or have my children in a Christian school or have my children go to conferences with me when we go here preaching. It's not important for me. But I'm going to tell you, you find out that the great multitude of missionaries that are on the mission field were children that surrendered in a very young age. He says, a child at age five, when I said, I, when I'm a man, I mean to be a missionary and go to China. As a young man, he said, I feel I cannot go on living unless I do something for China. And then late in his life as a veteran missionary, he said, if I had 1,000 lives, I'd give them all for China. Say so he was able to see the need and develop a concern that gave him a desire to show kindness to a people whose only hope would be to turn to Jesus Christ. So we see his invitation. We see his salvation. Notice in verse 7, we won't read all these verses, but in verse 7, notice there's grace that's extended. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. You know, the reality is, is God saves us by his grace. We don't deserve to be saved, but God saves us because of the fact that Jesus died for us. He doesn't save us because of what we've done. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And so the grace of God is extended. Notice there's a restoration that was offered in verse 7. He says, and we'll restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And so it's the grace of God that provides the opportunity for the restoration of God. Man can be reconciled to a holy God because of grace. Then in verse 11, there's an adoption that is applied. I'll tell you, this outlines what we experience when we get saved. The adoption that is applied in verse 11, and then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, and so thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, saith the king, he shall eat at my table, and here it is, as one of the king's sons. David literally adopted him into his family. 
When we're saved by grace, we're reconciled or restored unto our God because he adopts us into his family whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And then there's the security in verse 13. And Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Continually he ate at the king's table. There was security that he experienced because of David adopting him into his family for one reason, because he wanted to show kindness to the household of Saul. Now, when we have a heart to want to show kindness to somebody that's without Christ, it gives us the opportunity to bring salvation through grace, restoration, adoption, and security, uh, uh, being a, a child of God and be a part of the family of God. J.C. Raleigh said this, the change which our Lord here declares needful to salvation is evidently no slight or superficial one. It is not merely reformation or amendment or moral change or outward alteration of life. It is a thorough change of heart, will, and character. Now, I, I just really believe the problem in present day Christianity in 2019 is because Christians or the preaching of, of preachers is not making it clear that's what salvation it is. It is not praying a prayer and continuing to go on living like you're, you were living. It is a resurrection. It is a new creation. It is a passing from death to life. It is the implanting in our dead hearts of a new principle from above. It is the calling into existence a new creature with a new nature, new habits of life, new tastes, new desires, new appetites, new judgments, new opinions, new hopes, new fears. All this and nothing less than this is implied when our Lord declares that we need a new birth. I'm going to tell you right now, that paragraph right now, is not the reality of 2019 Christianity. Hudson Taylor said this, would that God would make hell so real to us that we cannot rest, heaven so real that we must have men there, Christ so real that our supreme motive and aim shall be to make the man of sorrows, the man of joy, by the conversion of him, to him of many. Thou might show kindness. So what will we do? Will we go? As Isaiah cries out. Will we give? Will we pray? Well, what are we going to do with it? I mean, really, I'm, I'm, I'm asking a serious question. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do to show the kindness of God to people who are lost? What are we going to do? I'm not going to tell you what to do. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now, reading through this story of David with Mephibosheth, 
stirs my heart with the reality the heat's got to be turned up a little bit. The commitment needs to be turned up a little bit. The resolve needs to be turned up a little bit. The reality of where people are needs to be turned up a little bit. Because if we don't do that, we're not going to have a heart that's going to be committed to try to do something to show the kindness of God. That's my challenge you to tonight. This week, why don't you pray and ask God, how can I show the kindness, the mercy of God to someone that I do not know? See, David didn't know who he was going to. David didn't go into this thing and say, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll check in and see how Mephibosheth was doing. He didn't do that at all. He called the servant Ziba and he said, listen, is there anybody in the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? I really believe with all my heart if we would pray and ask God, Lord, will you show me somebody that I can show the kindness of God, the mercy of God to? Will you show me that person? I'll guarantee you, God will put them in your path. And he'll probably do it before you get home. Because God wants us to extend his love and his mercy to others that I might show kindness. All right, we need to pray tonight.